Welcome to Spirit School. I'm your mentor, Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. In this podcast, I share honestly all I have learned about the mediumship and spiritual development journey. My intention is to normalize these conversations, to make way for a more confident, clear, and connected wave of lightworkers, serving the world of spirit with an open and joyful soul. Welcome again to Spirit School. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Spirit School. I am so excited today to have a guest from the UK, all the way from across the Atlantic Ocean, Julie Poole. How are you, Julie? Welcome to Spirit School. Hi, Danielle. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It's an honor. Yes. And Julie is someone that I stumbled upon on YouTube. I have to say, I am not on YouTube very much. It's not a platform I typically frequent unless I'm trying to fix something or figure out how to do something. It's definitely a very handy resource for me. But just last year, at some point, I was going through YouTube just looking for Virgo astrology reports or like what's happening for the month ahead. It was actually a point in time where I was really lacking like inner authority and guidance and like, how do I make a decision for myself? And I stumbled upon your YouTube and I found it to be so accurate for me. And so I continued to listen and I ended up purchasing your year-long Virgo forecast and I just kind of fell in love with you. I found that the energy forecasts that you were doing were incredibly accurate for me. And I ended up booking in a reading with you last year as I was expanding my business into a physical school. I was like, I'm about to sign a big contract. What do you see? And you picked up on everything so accurately. So just like a testament, I like to tell the Spirit School audience like how I find people, my experiences I have with them. And to broaden everything that you do, because you do so many incredible things. I know you as a YouTube Virgo queen, but you're a psychic, (laughs) intuitive and channel. You do energy alignment, law of attraction teacher, hypnotherapy, Reiki master teacher. And I think what, four or five time author now? Yeah. Yeah. Fifth book is just out. Yeah. (laughs) It's good. So I wanted to have you on to talk about all this incredible things and introduce you to Spirit School. But if I'm out meeting you for the first time and I say, who's Julie Poole? How do you introduce yourself? It's a really good question. It's something that's actually stumped me. It's like, how do you put all of that into a short, concise description of what you do without boring somebody's head off? I kind of say I'm a spiritual teacher and helper, but I'm a spiritual coach, spiritual and life coach, really, because it's not just spiritual stuff. As a hypnotherapist and as a counsellor, I want to bring what I know into the whole, the holistic part, you know. So, yeah, I've been a spiritual teacher for over two decades and I've been a therapist for the same sort of time, two decades. But what I want to do is to be able to ground it. There's so many brilliant spiritual teachers, but a lot of them are not particularly grounded. And it's kind of, you bring that knowledge into the real world because that's what people want to know, right? Oh, great. Okay. So I've got the spiritual team and I've got my insight and I understand the universe is helping me and it's got my back. But how does that help me in my day-to-day life, paying my bills or dealing with my stroppy mother or dealing with my difficult partner? Say, right, well, let's take all of this knowledge and let's bring it into day-to-day life. I talk to my angels when I'm going to park my car and I say, I need a parking space. You know, I don't just 
connect with them in a meditation or give gratitude and thanks at the end of the day. So I want my day-to-day life to work really well. So how can we combine all our spiritual knowledge and our access to spirit and all of that divine, incredible knowledge and intelligence and bring it into your day-to-day life so that day-to-day life works better in every way, in your relationships, in your health. If I have a problem with my health, I will go talk to my body in an intuitive way and say, right, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to tell me? How can I help you? And I see the different aspects of me, the different bodies, the emotional body, the physical, mental, energetic, spiritual, all of these bodies as individual parts. But as I say in my book, you are a synergy. The individual parts come together and you are greater when you pull them all together. But it doesn't mean that they don't have validity and their own needs separate from each other. But when one is struggling, when your emotional body's out, it's going to affect your mental body. It's going to affect your physical body. It's going to affect your energetic body. So what we're trying to do is bring all of those bodies into alignment. So probably five years ago, if somebody asked me, you know, well, so what do you do, Judy? I'd say I'm a hypnotherapist. But I'm so much more than that because I use all of that spiritual knowledge and my healing knowledge to bring it in together, trying to sort of define it. I'm a spiritual and life coach. and My job is to help empower you to find your own answers. I'll give you the tools to do that. I'll hold the space to do it and support you through it. But I am not healing you. I am not telling you what to do. I'm giving you information, I'm holding the space, and I'm helping you align to the best version of you. So that's kind of my role. And I noticed on your website, you're saying a very similar thing. You know, we are here at this time to really support, but not enable and not disable, to support people's growth into the best version of who they can be. And that's what I try to do. I love that. I'm covered in shivers even hearing you talk about that because I agree that's been my experience as well is, you know, my background was very grounded in race cars and health industry. And like when I went into spirituality, it was hard to find teachers that were taught in a grounded way where it's like, you know, I have all these emotions that come up. I have all these fears and anxieties and not enoughness that just isn't being addressed. It's being bypassed in the spiritual space. So that's really the grounding of my teachings as like a mediumship teacher. It's like, we still have this human experience from a psychic lens. I have made so many bad decisions in my life that I wish somebody could have just told me how to bypass all that, but it's not part of the human experience. So we do have to make stuffed up decisions sometimes and figure out how to course correct. And that's part of the growth. So for me, where it came from was I grew up religious, if you like, which I'm absolutely not now. Let's be very clear on that. I see everything to do with church and Bibles and stuff as incredibly controlling and disempowering. But as a child, I loved going to church. I had a very good relationship with God and with Jesus. And I go and have a lovely chat with them. What I noticed at a young age, seven, eight, nine years old, was the so-called Christians, and I'm kind of in quotes loosely, would have this lovely time at church. And then, you know, no matter where they were at with their religious spiritual journey, their day-to-day life outside a church was unkind and vicious and backstabbing and all sorts of things. And I remember at about nine years old saying, but I thought you were a Christian. How can you be so unkind? 
that's where I realized that so many people live their lives separate to that part of me is the religious or spiritual bit. And that part of me is my day-to-day life. And I kind of figured out quite early, eight, nine years old, like surely they should be combined. Really, should you not bring all of what you know from that part of you that is spiritual into your daily life? Don't see them as separate. And so that's the way I try to live my life. Of course, we all have times when we're unkind and we're impatient and, you know, we're human. But on the whole, don't separate it. We're in this huge time of awakening and so many more people waking up and those that were already awakened expanding. We're going into the fifth dimension and the golden age. We're almost there now. You know, I've been watching this since the 80s, probably before you were born. And it was all about, you know, when we get to 2032. And I was like, God, I'm going to be so old by then. It's <laughs> so old by then. And now it's nine years away. And yeah, I'm going to be quite old by then. But it's round the corner when you've been waiting 40, 50 years and you go, well, we've got nine years to go. And it's not like we're going to wake up in 2032 on January the 1st and go, that's it, we're here. We're a work in progress. And that is the opening of the golden age. But we expect it to then go on for another 30, 40, 50 years, another generation, generation and a half to really continue to develop. But that tipping point was 2012. We're already way past the tipping point. So we are moving more and more into that. And of course, the higher we go in terms of our awareness and our light and our energy, the more we're shining the light on the darkness. I kind of liken it. If you were wearing a black coat and you got splattered in mud, you wouldn't really see much of it. You know, you wouldn't really tell. And that's kind of the way we were living was more or less in the black coat. We didn't see much of the mud splatters. But now many of us are wearing We've gone from black to grey to off-white to white. And now when the mud comes, we see it. It stands out. And then people will say, the world's going to hell and it's getting much, much worse. And then I'm trying to convince them, no, 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 no. It's getting so much better. The fact that we can see all this stuff now shows us how much we shone the light on that which was hidden, that which was blocked, that which was in the way. And as we see it, we can release it, we can heal it, we can neutralize it. And so it's so exciting. It's so amazing to be part of this. And we need to remember each and every one of us signed up to be here at this time through this transition. And why? Why are we here now? Why are so many people spiritually awakened now? The answer to that is that those of us in this position, you and me and many other spiritually conscious teachers and healers and light workers, we've been here so many times before that we've come to help other people to get where we are. And it isn't about better or higher or more or any of that. It's that we need people who know what's going on to help those that don't. Yeah, And those that don't then will either join us in the light waking up or they will stay closed. And that's okay. But there is a big shift. Yeah. I really appreciate that. If you don't mind me inquiring a little bit further, because I feel safe with you to ask Sometimes when people talk about like 5D and stuff, I kind of tune out because I'm always like the type out there where I'm just like, this just isn't landing with me. But with you, I feel like really safe right now. So in a sense, when we talk about 2032 and like the golden age, what comes from my heart and I'm just making assumptions here and I wonder if you can let me know if I'm on the right track. I think of a time where people are genuinely considerate of each other, genuinely understanding the impact that they make, how that impacts the people around them. Like when I think of a golden age, 
that's kind of what I think of. When I think about what's being out there, I think of like aliens beaming down, beaming us up, which I love aliens too. Do not get me wrong. I'm big on UFO sightings and stuff like that. So can you describe for me, like, when you feel into, like, this golden age, what we are working towards? Because, of course, right now we're in a really uncomfortable phase of change. I'm even in a five year right now. Like, it's uncomfortable change to make this progress. But what do you feel into what's coming for us? Well, what you've just said, you're spot on, in my opinion. I'm saying I've got this knowledge, but it doesn't make me the font of all knowledge. I am still learning and growing too. But what you've just said, I would completely agree with. It is a combination of both. So we've got the alien factor, if you like. Okay, I'll talk about that in a minute. I love aliens. Don't get me Um, wrong. And we've also got the awareness growing. So awareness is key. If we don't know, then we don't know. Right. So if I don't know what I'm missing, then I don't know. But as we start to become aware of other options and other sides and expansion and different things, if we just take an example, well, history tells us everything. So if we just look back, for example, where were we at in the 1920s, 100 years ago, where were we at? Yeah. So unless you were a white man, period, you couldn't own property, you couldn't vote, you had no rights. So that included, you know, 80% of society. So women and all Indigenous people and all Black people and all anybody else, they had no rights, they had no say. Now, look at the way we transformed in 100 years. And 100 years sort of seems a long time, but if we compare that with the last 10,000 years, we have shifted more in 100 years than at any other time in history. So all of this last 100 years shift has been to prepare us. It's speeding up. So if we go back to the 60s, when I was born, I was born in 63, This was the age of burn the bra. Women wanted their rights. Black rights came through. Gypsy rights came through. Everything was starting to move forward to, hang on, how come you've got freedom and I don't? And how come you've got a voice and I don't? And is that fair and is that right? So we can see a rise, if you like, of fairness, of freedom, of equality. Are we there yet? Hell no. Anybody who isn't a white middle-class male, are we there yet? Everybody will tell you no. But are we further along than we were 100 years ago? God, yes. Look at where we were. All right. So we can kind of look at it like that. Now, bring it into your spiritual awareness and bring it into the way you live your life. So our generation, well, I say our, I'm a generation above you probably. If we compare it with our parents or our grandparents, we're more considerate and thoughtful of all people, not just people of our class or our race or whatever, we are becoming more considerate on a wider level, more compassionate, more tolerant. Now, all of these, and I could list a long list like that, but all of them are higher vibrational energies. They are more love-based as opposed to fear-based. Yeah, I talk about it in my book about responsibilities and commitments and going with the flow and acceptance, all of which has massively changed. You know, you wouldn't accept it even in the 60s about your dress had to be a certain length, your hair had to be a certain length. You know, the 60s came along and all of a sudden dresses and skirts went from below the knee to just below the knicker line. We started breaking these rules. It was all of these rules and that's what's happening. The rules are smashing open. As they smash open, we are stepping more into our choices and freedoms and powers, which empowers us. 
So what's happening with the golden age is all of that is expanding more. So your heart will open more, your mind opens more, you're questioning more. You're looking at all of these hidden rules and the hidden stuff. It's like, do you know what? I never even realized that that was a racist comment. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that was a misogynistic comment. You're starting to realize more, we're educating more, people are waking up and opening up more. And all of this is increasing the freedom. Now, that's where we're growing. So imagine that expanding out and out and out. And let's use an example of somebody like Jesus or Buddha or Rumi. There's so many amazing spiritual teachers over the last two, three thousand years. They didn't judge. They didn't condemn. They were understanding and compassionate. And we look at them and go, wow, you know, I wish I could have that level of patience or understanding. But they were enlightened and they came to show us this is what enlightened looks like. And this is what you want to aspire to. But don't beat yourself up if you're not there yet. Just keep saying, I'm a work in progress and I'm trying hard to be less judgmental and less intolerant. We can see all of that expanding. And when we are more and more open, we're more open as well to energy and awareness of other people's, not just actions, but emotions. You know, that saying of read the room, when you can kind of just look at somebody's face, but our facial communication is only 5% of all communication. The other 95% is body language and tone and temperature and so many other things. So when we're more intuitive, which again is something that more people are opening up to trust that inner voice, that instinct, that hunch, that I just got a feeling, I'm getting a vibe. We were talking vibes in the 60s, a good vibe, a bad vibe, good vibrations, you know, the Beach Boys in the 60s. This is all about vibration and energy is vibration. So we're picking up other people's vibrations much more. You walk into a room, and I'm not just talking about people like you and me that are intuitive, but any Joe Bloggs in the street walks into a room and says, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. So we're starting to become aware. So expand that out and just imagine being able to walk into a room and feel where people are struggling or sad or frightened or needing a bit of reassurance and being able to give that reassurance, to walk into a room where people are really happy and to be able to join your energy in with that and expand the happiness. So that's what's happening on a human level and that will continue. So you can imagine in perhaps 20 years time, that we're just much more aware of each other's feelings, sensitivities, energies, and more compassionate. And so everything is rising. So where do aliens fit into this? Because I love aliens too. Aliens fit into it. And let's just identify what is an alien. It's any life form that is not of the earth. So, you know, it can be in a life body, so a physical body of some kind, but it can also be an energetic form. So not all aliens are in the body and not all aliens are spirit. They live more in an energy form, but they still have that form of life. Now, there are life outside, we'll call them aliens, outside, I was going to say Britain, <laughs> of the world of Gaia, that are more advanced than us. And there are those civilizations that are less advanced than us. Yeah. Same as there are in the world now. So if we kind of expand that out and say, right, well, let's imagine that these aliens of a higher knowledge and a higher awareness and much more enlightened and kind of where we want to be maybe in 500 years time, they're already there now. And they have this incredible technology, 
look at where our technology's gone in 100 years. Imagine where we'll be in 500 years and say, right, that's where they are already. So they have this technology where they could communicate with us, not just energetically, but on lots of other ways. We will see, by the way, over the next three or four years, much more reports of alien landings, alien ships. They've always been there, but we're going to become more aware of it. So answering the question, (laughs) I do waffle on, sorry. No, I do that too. I'm a queen of digressing. Yeah. (laughs) Answering the question. So we've got these higher, we call them HEBs, highly evolved beings. Okay. So we just, let's use that terminology. The HEBs want to help us because when earth rises and earth people rise, everything in the universe rises too. All right. We don't get this mismatch where it rises here and it doesn't there. Everything rises. So we're in 3D. They're already in 5D. So as we come up to 5D, they go up to 6 and 7D. So everybody's happy. All right. So they want to help us. They have the technology and they have the ability to um, telepathically communicate, energetically communicate. So they are giving us a lot of help. Okay. Yeah. To give you some just some solidarity here. So like I grew up in a household that was not religious in any way, but sci-fi obsessed. So I grew up like (laughs) being scared of aliens more than like anything else out there. I never remember my dreams. Like my dream journal has like four entries in it going back to 2019. Like I never remember them. I had a dream that I woke up and outside there was like a huge UFO out like that covered all of Squamish And it's always been there, but we just couldn't see it. And then it let us see it one day. And I kid you not, ever since then, my dad, twice in the past like two weeks, he's like, I keep seeing something in the sky. If you look up Squamish and UFO, it's a hotbed here in Squamish for UFO footage. There's CE5 comes and they come and do call-ins in Squamish and they've caught some really great things on video too. So just so you know, like this is all up my alley, absolutely. But I think sometimes the stories get really carried away and can kind of, you know, lose that gravity. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear around it. And, you know, we fear generally what we don't understand and what we don't accept. So understanding is key. But yeah, so we as we move into the 5D, it, it's a combination of our awareness rising, our energy vibration rising, and the access that we have to help rising as well. But within ourselves, our chakras, and I've just done a podcast on chakras that will go live in a couple of weeks, just because a lot of people, they've heard of them, they don't even know really what they are. So I've just done a really 101 kind of chakras thing. But what's happening with our chakras as well is they are expanding and growing. So, you know, the way I was describing it today on the podcast was imagine your chakras are the size of a golf ball. Each of those chakras is about the size of a golf ball. Over the next 10 years, we're going to see that doubling in size. So if you imagine what happens if your heart center is twice the size it is now, the capacity for love and the root chakra, which is your sense of security and safety is getting stronger. So the more secure you feel, the more confident you can feel because that energy comes up from the base chakra into the solar plexus and they all feed each other. So you kind of go, right, okay, well, I know that when I'm insecure, I'm uncertain about everything. So the more secure I am, the more confident, the more trusting. And so we want to grow all of those. So that's expanding too. But you kind of go, well, why now? Well, if we look back at a hundred years ago, we just come out of the first world war. And there was fear everywhere. And then we went into the massive depression of the 30s. 
And wow, the late 20s and 30s, fear, people were starving to death. Fear was there. And then we went into a second world war, more fear. And so my parents' generation who were born during the war, they are incredibly insecure. I mean, I watch my parents, they lock every door, every window, you know, set the alarm. They're just very insecure people. And you just, I feel this compassion for them because if I had been born when I was three, four years old with bombs dropping all around me, and that had formulated my early years, of course, in my 70s, 80s, when I'm getting more vulnerable physically, I'm going to be much more insecure. Whereas my generation born in the 60s in Europe, we didn't have any wars going on. And I know there is one now, but there wasn't when I was growing up. I haven't got that level of insecurity that my parents had. And my children who were born in the 80s and 90s, haven't. they're, they're more secure again. Each generation is getting stronger in the core. Yeah. And that's what we're wanting. It reminds me of an old teaching that I read about like the crystal, the indigo and the rainbow, right? Like those generations coming in, the crystals coming in saying, or was it the indigos first? The indigos first coming in, like, is it safe to like be spiritual now? Is it safe to express ourselves, right? And then the crystals come in like, okay, I'm going to express myself, like what's going to happen? Then the rainbows come in to like really kind of pave the way. That's kind of what's coming up for me as you're speaking about it. So thank you for explaining that. And I'm curious, too, because one of the things I picked up on on your February Virgo forecast, which is how come I invited you on the podcast, because you have a podcast now called The Julie Pool Show, right? Yes. Let's chat universal energy. So everything mind, body, spirit. And uh, my podcast's only been going for three weeks, four weeks. This is very, very new. Very, very new. Yeah. And I'm happy you're going to love the podcasting space. I'm like, I love it. Now I'm going to try to get into YouTube a little bit. But one of the things that you mentioned, too, is that your daughter's doing tarot now. So I'm born in 82. And so I'm curious because I'm the first intuitive of my family generation in the sense that was overtly intuitive psychic medium. I'm full time now. I've been developing since 2013. So for you, I get a lot of questions from people who are like, you know, the first in their generation as well. And like they have children who are quite sensitive. And one, I find that moms have a hard time fitting in spirituality, like fitting in the sitting, playing with cards, the developing, and then also raising intuitive children. And so I wanted to ask you a little bit about that as well. Well, as I said, I was born in the 60s where this stuff was not talked about. It did go on. My grandmother, incredibly, my grandmother in the 30s was going to a spiritualist it wasn't a church. We didn't have churches in those. It would be at somebody's house, you know? And it was all hush, hush. You don't tell anybody because the entire neighborhood is going to shun you as being of the devil's spawn. It's part of my family, but it was always hidden and a secret. And in fact, I didn't even find out about it until I was 17, 18, when I'd been into it for 10 years. And I'm like, I have to talk to somebody about this. And I knew nobody. And one day I just risked it. And I said to my grand, Grand, do do you believe in this spirit and mediumship and stuff? And she said, oh, yes, dear. I've been talking to spirits since I was a child. Why did nobody tell me this? And she said, oh, because it has to be a secret. You know, it it wasn't allowed. So from that point onwards, I just went, this is who I am and stuff it. And, you know, by then it was 1980 and it was still very weird and wacky and not spoken about. And I had a proper job in the real world. And if I mentioned that I meditated, I talked to my guides and I had this intuition, I also had this healing ability. 
I was seen as a bit of a party trick and people would literally put their hand out in front of me and say, read my palm. Because <laughs> in those days, 70s and 80s, the way it was done, you know, was you'd read a palm or you'd read a crystal ball. It, it became quite an embarrassment. And so I learned to, to shut up about it. And so I went to my own way of learning. So I started reading books from spiritual people and I would meditate, talk to my guides more. So I just thought, you know, let's just cut out the middleman. I'm just going to go talk to God. I'm going to talk to my guides. I'm going to go straight to spirit. So that's where my learning came. And I didn't join any kind of spiritual circle until I was 37. And I'd been doing this for nearly 30 years by then. I was amazed that, you know, there were 10, 12 people sat in circle and being able to connect to spirit and that there were several other people doing this too. So by then, my children are, you know, my youngest was five when I was openly doing this. She would say to me, what are you doing? I'd say, oh, I'm having a chat with God or I'm talking to my gran, you know, who's dead, or I'm talking to whoever. So she was brought up with it. There were crystals all around the house. There was candles, there was incense. And I started running my own circle when she was about five, six, you know, so there would be a meditation group, a mediumship circle, if you like. They grew up with it. And my son, who's now 35, at 14, 15, he asked if he could come into the circle and join me. And he did. And he was incredible. He was like, we did some past life stuff. Turns out he was my older brother in my previous life, which is why he thinks he's my dad in this life. He's forever telling me what to do. He was brilliant, but at 20, he turned his back on it and I'm not interested in this. Whereas my daughter, who's now 25, she has used her intuition and manifesting incredibly. I did a video with her on my YouTube channel about three years ago. At the age of 22, she'd manifested a driving license, a car, the perfect partner and her dream house all before she was 22. I'm like, wow, I've taught people. I've been teaching manifesting and law of attraction for about 15 years. And she's been part of that everyday conversation. You know, she says, I want something. I say, right, so focus on it and tell her what to do. And she does it and she gets it. And I said, you are just the best manifester I've ever seen. <laughs> You know, she's living in a house that is three times nicer than mine. And it's like, hang on, your kids are supposed to have a really basic start at home and you're supposed to have the nice one. But yeah, so if they want to embrace it and you're doing it, your children will, it's amazing how much is dripping in, in your day-to-day -day life. So, you know, she's just been aware, like I decided when she was about 13, 14, that I'm going to university. And I'm going to do a degree. And she's like, well, you're 50. I'm, I know, I know. And she said, well, what about this? And I said, oh, I'm just going to make it happen. I've just aligned with it and I'm going to make it happen. And I was literally made the phone call and I started the, the next week. And people were saying, well, how did you do that? It's usually a waiting list. You've got to do this, that and the other. And I said, I just intended it and it came about. So when she decided she wanted this incredible house that was three times higher than they could afford, she said, I'm just going to manifest it. You've shown me I'm going to do it. And she got it. How did she do that? Well done, girl. But of course, I'm aware of all my knowledge that's been absorbed into her. And she does it. So our children will do that. They will be able to do this more. And it's not just our children. So the community, we're starting to see it coming out now because now it's not behind closed doors. You know, they used to be people would put a little card in the window saying that they do readings and then literally they'd get the houses egged and flowered and, 
you know, witch written on the front door and all the rest of it. So it was all very secret, word of mouth. Whereas now you'll see the big signs, angel readings here, energy healing here. Everybody's like, yeah, I'm up for that. Let's go and have a bit of that. It's great. Yeah. And look at Tarot on YouTube. When I started five years ago, I don't know how many tarot readers there were, but I've watched a huge expansion in the last couple of years. But this year, my daughter, I've been saying to her for years, you're highly intuitive. She said, I'm not psychic like you. And I said, of course you are. You're just not using it. It's a muscle. And the more you use it, the stronger the muscle gets. Once you decide you want to do it, you just tap into it. So over Christmas, she was saying, you know, I need to do something where I can work from home. And I said, well, do tarot. She said, I can't do tarot. I said, of course you can. So I gave her a pack of tarot cards and it took her about a day. And I said, you know, just do a reading, send it to me. I promise you, I will tell you if it's not good enough for YouTube. It was raw. Yes, it was raw, but the intuition was spot on. Yeah. And the way that she was feeling the cards was spot on. And I said, just keep practicing. I think she's only done about 10 or 12 videos now. She's only been going three weeks, but she's got two kids under six. So you're trying to work around that. It'll grow. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I've been teaching since 2017 when I had my first development circle. And I actually kept my first ever appearance as Squamish Medium in 2017. I had a four-month-old on my lap and, like, no makeup, no hair done not looking at the camera, like really shy and like it's transformed over years of podcasting and showing up and stuff like that. So you do continue to improve on it. But I really like that I had those early years on there that I could Absolutely. look back on and be like, look how yeah. far I've come. If I look at my first videos on YouTube in 2018, when I first started doing tarot, they're not very professional. But you get better. Of course, in anything, you get better the more you do it. You've got to just step into your power and say, is it good enough? And this is where we struggle as Virgos, because nothing's ever good enough for a Virgo. And this is where you've got to step back and say, all right, let's just pretend I was any other sign other than a Virgo. Would it be good <laughs> enough for anybody else? You know, and yeah. I remember one time when I said this to my daughter and I was trying to encourage her with her tarot channel now, and I was saying to her, look, I remember putting up some readings one time that I was tired and, you know, I think I'd had a bit of a rocky time. And I judged those readings as to be well below par, below standard. You know, let's say my normal best videos at 100%, I would have put these at 30%. And I hesitated to put them live. I'm like, they're just not good enough. My energy isn't there. I'm not as vibrant as normal. Like, you know, I can feel it. And I think it comes across in the video. And I just thought, I haven't got time to redo them. And I had to step into this it'll do energy, <laughs> yeah. which is really hard for a perfectionist. And I went, it'll do. And I put it up and then I always check my comments every morning and I heart everyone and I reply to as many as I can. And I was really shocked. This was a lesson for me in this because all the comments on those videos that I judged to be not very good were wonderful. Like, this is so helpful. This is so spot on. Thank you so much. And I'm like, really? It, it was still helpful, even though it wasn't as good. And that was a big lesson for me to say like, that this isn't about whether I judge it to be good enough. It's about this is a gift from me to other people to help them. It's free. It's on YouTube. I know I get a bit back from the advertising revenue, but I don't know how much people think you make from this, but it's nothing like they probably think you do. But generally, this is my time and energy free. The way that it does help people regardless, this is where we have to say, 
what is the intention you set when you did the reading? So my intention is always, this is to help uplift people, give them some direction, give them some help and support, and just help them get through the day if they are really struggling in any way that this is to help and inspire and uplift. And if it does that in any way, then my job is done. And I've never had anybody say on a read, well, actually, let's just quantify that. I've had people say this didn't resonate for me or I didn't like this or this didn't work for me. That's fine. It's when you get quite a few people saying this was crap. I've never had that. And so that's very, I wouldn't say lucky. That's another thing I do with my readings is I surround them with light and love and say that all negativity, anything that isn't love is held at bay from this. So very rarely do I have to ban somebody or block somebody. Do I get any abuse? Very rare. And that's That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for you too. I mean, I just think the way that you present, like I say, I was like magnetized because there is a lot of noise out there, especially on YouTube. It's like trying to find the forecast and you get a couple minutes in and yours really landed with me. So I'm not surprised to hear that. I'm curious too, before we go into the book, because I want to talk about your book and your law of attraction work that you do. Why did you pick YouTube? And like when I think about 12 signs and you're like 18 minutes per sign, like my brain just goes... All right. Yeah. Like that's a lot of work every month. And then you also do finance and career ones. And then, I mean, I benefit. Keep doing them, please. I love (laughs) them. And I've tried to invest. Like I bought a reading and I bought your year one. Like I tried to make sure that the exchange is there as well. Like I imagine this is great for exposure and business, but like you got to love doing it because that's a lot of content. Absolutely. It is a lot of content. So the reason I started it was that just brief sort of history. I started teaching spiritual development classes in 2002 at the same time as I just qualified as a hypnotherapist and was building my practice. And then 10 years on, I became a Reiki master teacher. And at the same time, I went to uni and I did a degree in psychology and sociology. So everything was, I want to know more about the mind. I want to know more about energy and I want to you know, be able to pull all this together. I remember you on one of your podcasts, I think you mentioned the emotion code. I read that back in 2003. I read Louise Hay's book back in the 80s and 90s. You know, I've been working with energy and all of that for a long time. So I started the YouTube channel in 2014 and I put on there some of my self-hypnosis audios, which I sell on my website. And I've got about 10 or 12 on my website. And I picked the biggest two or three to put on YouTube free to help people. So that's how to build confidence and self-belief and how to align better with money and prosperity. And I put those up and they had a lot of views, but I had at the time 167 subscribers four years on. And then in 2017, one of the people that I'd followed and learned a lot from, the angel lady Doreen Virtue, made her big announcement that, you know, this is all the devil's work and she's going to Christianity. And I was with friends at the time, spiritual friends, and I made a joke, oh, Doreen's gone. There's a gap in the market. I'll be (laughs) the Doreen. Because I'd been teaching angels and angelic stuff, you know, for a long time. And afterwards, I had a little kind of nudge when I said that jokingly. And I had like, no, you can be, you can do that. Right. And I just, ooh that'd be nice. I'd love to travel the world and stuff. And then I had a similar nudge when I follow Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, and I look at her life. I mean, the best law of attraction teacher on the planet, of course, in my opinion, without a doubt. 
And I thought, I'd love to do that. Travel the world, talking about aligning people and giving them direction and what an amazing life that would be. So I just put that out to the universe. This was at the back end of 2017. Anyway, come around Christmas, I got a a message from my spiritual team saying people are really struggling. They need some help with upliftment. So I created about 10 or 12 videos on how to be happier, how to deal with negativity. There was loads of these how-tos and I put them up two or three a week for the next three or four weeks. And I don't think any of them had more than 200 views. And it was all of this, and we're talking hours and hours of recording and editing and uploading. And I didn't really know what I was doing, so I'm having to research how to do it. So two months went by, and all of that had netted me about 500 views and another two subscribers. I went from 167 to 169. So I was sat down early February after two months of doing this. And I said to my team, my spiritual team, well, this isn't working, is it? They're not interested. I'm putting all this work in and it's not hitting anybody. It's not about what comes back to me. It's that I'm doing the work to help people and they just don't want what you're giving them. So I said, well, I'll just give that whole YouTube thing up then. And they said, oh, go and do a bit of tarot. Now, I'd been doing professional readings since 2000, and I'd been doing unprofessional readings, as in not paid and not properly, but I'd been doing readings since I was 12, 13 years old, so back in the early 70s, but I'd been professional since 2001. So here we are, 2018, and they're saying, do your readings. And I said, well, you know, I've only ever done one-to-one face-to-face readings, and I thought, okay, well, interestingly, the year before, I digress a little bit, but I had my first hypnotherapy energy client from abroad and I had a therapy room. People came to me face to face and somebody contacted me saying, I want a session and I'm in Mumbai in India and I'm a Californian lady. So I Skyped my family back home. Can we Skype? And we did. And it was brilliant. It worked absolutely amazingly. So I already knew that, you know, the computer screen wasn't a barrier. So I just thought, right, okay, I'll do some readings and, you know, where should I direct it to? I'd never looked at YouTube myself for a Virgo reading. I'm a Virgo, but I thought it makes sense to do the 12 signs. So that's what I did. And <laughs> my normal sort of 200 views, this went up at, say, lunchtime. And by the evening, it had 5,000 views. I was like, wow okay, they like this, they want this, I need to do more of this. So I started doing monthlies and weekly readings, and that was huge. So you're doing 12 every week and another 12 for the months. I mean, you know, 60, 70 readings a month on top of your clients. And I was working Monday to Friday and every Saturday, and I would do two evenings a week as well because the time zone differences. And then I'm fitting YouTube in and around it. But my business took off. My income doubled and then doubled again. I didn't have to advertise anymore because I used to have an advertising marketing budget. I didn't need to do that because people would see me on YouTube and come straight through to book. And I would spend hours on emails going back and forth trying to book them in. And, you know, what about Saturday at four o'clock? Great. Where are you? Oh, California. Hang on then. I can't do four o'clock in the afternoon. It's like midnight. That's two o'clock in the morning for me, you know. So uh, that went on for a while and it took me another year to understand the online systems that are there to help you, like Calendly, which I use, which will, you know, put it in any time zone anywhere in the world. And that works a lot, lot better. But yes, so YouTube's been going five years now. I hit 100,000 subscribers just before Christmas. I've watched other channels 
blow up within six or 12 months and me just plod, plod, plod steadily along. And now I have 105,000 subscribers and I'm going the other way with my work now. So whereas it expanded out more and more, my hours got to the point where I was working over 80, 90 hours a week. Since I moved nearly two years ago now, this last 12 months, I slowed down to four days a week. And then I went to three days. I took out the evenings and weekends. And then in September, a few months back, I was writing my new book and still trying to do three days a week clients and YouTube. And I thought, this is not sustainable. So I pulled back just at Christmas. I just said, I'm only going to be available to clients two days a week. And then the other three days I can do my YouTube and promote my book. And also they said, you know, start a podcast. And actually they told me a year ago to start a podcast. <laughs> and I was like, when, when, when do you want me to fit that in? You know, at three o'clock in the morning when I'm not doing anything else. But they were saying to me a year ago, pull back on the clients and pull back on the healing sessions, the therapy sessions, because those are the ones that take the most energy. So focus your time and your energy more towards doing some shorter readings and just pick and choose a handful of clients that you're going to work with on an energy level. We want you to do the podcast. I wish I'd started it a year ago, but like with YouTube, when I started YouTube, I literally must have binged watched hundreds of hours of how-to videos on YouTube, how to build your audience, how to do a good thumbnail, how to do a good title, how to do good tags, lighting, microphones. I mean, I taught myself from scratch everything I needed to know. Now I'm in the same position early January when I want to start a podcast. I don't listen to podcasts. I have an Apple phone and there's Apple podcasts. I've never even opened the app. I don't even So am know. I the first? I guess too. Yes. No, so literally I had to start from scratch and I was back on YouTube, how to create a podcast, platforms where to host it, understanding them. And I'm only four or five weeks into this journey. So I'm still very, very new to this and a lot still to learn. But I discovered quite quickly that if I had, if I went with Spotify, I couldn't go on Google or Apple. And if I went on Apple, I couldn't go on the others. So, and then things like just the basic research, 60% of Americans listen to Spotify. Whereas in Europe and Britain, it's 60% listen to Apple and then 20% Google and then 10% Spotify. I want to be able to capture as many people because my audience is global. What will work for my American and Canadian clients isn't going to necessarily work for my Australian or Indian clients. So I went with a platform that goes across nine different platforms. So I'm using Buzzsprout and I'm paying for that hosting fee every month. And I'm just going to learn and develop and make a lot of mistakes, I'm sure. But I'm on episode nine I'm recording at the moment. So it's all still very new. I saw yours was like episode 163 or something. You will be the expert in this <laughs> with me, I am sure. See, I was such a lazy podcaster. I'm like, whatever I say is going up. <laughs> Unedited. And then I brought on Andrea, who does podcast editing, and she's my community manager as well. I can't do this all on my own. Because I'm the opposite. I'm like, I like to work five to 10 hours a week, to be honest with you, with the little kids. I mean, just hearing you, I'm just blown away. I think that my audience is going to absolutely love this conversation. And I'm just in my head, I'm like a typical underachieving Virgo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what is with us? I don't know. But I get very similar. Like, I thought I worked a lot and did a lot. But I'm like, you do a ton and you do it so well. 
When my children were little, I was doing the same as you. You know, the whole point was, you know, and I mentioned this in my book, I came out of the corporate world because my daughter, who was two, knew the nursery knew nurse better than she knew me or kindergarten, as many people call it. And I just said, I don't want to live like this anymore. So I changed my life completely. And for those formative years when she was little, I worked when she was in school. I run my circles in the evening when she was in bed and I didn't work weekends. And it was only when she got to 13, 14, 15, where, you know, when they're teenagers, you don't see them anyway. They're out with their friends. They've got far better things to do than be at home with mom. It's sort of like, right, I can now put those extra hours in. I can now. And she left home quite young. She was gone at 18. And then I could literally do what I wanted. And at the time, I was still renting my own home and I'd given up being able to buy And I suddenly thought, look, I've got clients coming out of my ears. I'm booked up for two months in advance. And if I wanted to do the extra hours and really hammer it, I could perhaps have my own home in a year. So I put it up to the universe. Thank you for helping me to get my own home. And a year later, I secured a mortgage and then moved into this little house. Only little house, but this is brilliant. They tell me that there is a bigger one coming in a couple of years. So I'm happy with what I have, but this or something better, always open for the something better as well. Now that I've got the house, I've slowed down again. So apart from last week when I was recording the audio version of my book and I was so into it. I love creating. I love it so much. It gives me so much pleasure. And I was recording the audio version and I was doing 10, 15 hours a day for 10 days to get it all done. And now it's with somebody to polish it before it'll go on to Audible. So That was exciting. Love doing that. But normally, no, I work about five, six hours a day now. Okay. It's good to know my kids are only six and nine, and I feel like I've created a lot during school hours so far. Occasional, maybe once every couple months, I'll throw in a class on a Saturday kind of thing. But yeah, my marriage would not accommodate that. But I (laughs) wanted to say, too, I had to laugh about the Doreen thing. So my first mentor, my first mediumship mentor and Doreen Virtue both announced going born again the exact same Wow. So that was like huge. And I'm sitting on a meme right now. If you follow my Instagram, I do spiritual memes. And I'm sitting on a meme that I want to create with a Doreen Virtue quilted blanket of all her terror. (laughs) Anyway, that's coming up. But thank you for sharing these stories. And I think to so many people who follow me, because I like talking about the business side of this as well, like we can thrive doing this. And like we have to treat it like a typical business because we're paying taxes and we need licenses. And so I try to bring some grounded practicality into that as well. And I think hearing your evolution and the fact that like you're self-taught, not everything you created took off right away. Like it does take some reimagining. A lot of efforting is going to be really valuable for my well, audience still as well. doesn't now. I mean, last summer I created three different programs, all of which fell flat on their face. None of them took off. And you kind of say, well, you're supposed to be the psychic. You're supposed to know what's going to take off and what's not. But as my team say to me, nothing is ever wasted. Although that didn't take off in the way you expected, a lot of the content of those programs that I created, I brought into the book. It's kind of evolution. It'll come around in a different way. But we need to accept that we can sow 100 seeds and we don't expect 100 flowers. They're not all going to take. Yeah. Beautiful analogy. Beautiful. So these are the questions I want to ask you. And then I wanted to talk about your book because I saw it and it was really fascinating. I'm definitely going to pick up a copy. So the book is from Hoping to Having. So what inspired this book? How long did it take you to write? (laughs) And what's it all about? Well, this book took me the longest of actually the five books I've written. 
Now, let me get that in context. Your average person takes about two years to write a book. I channel my books. And when I'm in that flow of channeling creative flow, I am just so passionate and inspired. I have to tear myself away. I resent finding time to eat. You know, it's like, I'm in the flow, leave me alone, I can manage. But this book was one of the longest ones. So I started it on the 31st of July and I finished it on the 12th of October. So all of August, all of September and two weeks of October. So about 10 weeks. My angel books, which are fiction, I wrote in between three and five weeks, each book. And then, yeah, there's another maybe a month of editing, but the actual creating of the book with From Hoping to Having, I spent two months on editing and it's called From Hoping to Having, the three R's to create your best life. And the three R's are remember, reset, receive, the ultimate law of attraction guidebook. So through June and early July, I put together this program called the six R's to create your best life. And the program fell flat on its face. <laughs> it didn't happen. And I thought there's such good stuff in here to help people get their life going. And I decided I'm going to put it in a book. So I started taking all of the content that I'd created for these courses into the book and the book started evolving. I didn't have a title at that time. I knew it was going to be law of attraction, but not just spiritually. How to get a really good loving relationship, how to live a healthy, balanced, emotionally, mentally and physically life. I wanted to do a different chapter on different subjects. And I decided I'm not going to use the six R's, it's too much. And actually, I don't know if you have it in Canada, but in the UK, we call school the three R's. Reading, Reading, writing, writing, arithmetic. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that takes me back, but yeah. But the three R's kind of indicate the beginnings of, the foundations of something. Yeah. So I thought I'm going to call it the three R's to create your best life. And I'm going to take three of the six, because in the program, I created six. And I thought I'm going to take the first one, the last one, and the middle one. And I'm going to put it into three parts. And each part will look at a different section. So part one, remember, is all about your power. Remember your power. Remember who you are. You are a divine being. Each part has got eight chapters. So the first part is all about power. So your personal power, your spiritual power, your creative power, your I am power. Everything to do with power is in the first section. Because we always create. Always. It's part of the law of attraction. So When we create from a place of disempowerment, we still create, but we tend to create that which we don't want. When we create from a place of power, then we create that which we do want. So before we can start looking at anything about manifesting, let's get the power right. Let's get you in your power on all levels and it working and balanced. Now we move into the creating. But before we do, let's have a look at all the blocks that you've got to creating. So now let's look at resetting, reprogramming. This is my hypnotherapy part of me. And the law of attraction is all about you are what you think and the resonance of your thoughts. So are your thoughts supporting then for you to move into your best life? So I then go into eight different chapters on things like your responsibilities, your boundaries, your commitments, your need for approval. Oh my God, what happens if I want to create something people don't agree with? You know, all of that. And then in the third part, another eight chapters that it's all about. Now we look at the receiving and I go into things like kindness and gratitude and forgiveness and explain well, what's kindness got to do with receiving? It's like, well, if you're kind and kindness comes back to you, you're already in the energy of the flow of you are being what you want to receive. The act as if 
You need to be living that now. And I give step-by-step instructions when I look at things like money and prosperity and health. There's a whole chapter on health and that's emotional, mental, and physical. Let's get those aligned. So everything is a step-by-step guide. And one of my friends who's just reading the book now, she's almost finished it. And she said to me, it's brilliant. But the bit I don't like is that you can't just dip in and out of it. I want to just be able to pick it up. Like some of the self-help books I've got, I can just pick it up and read that page and that's going to set me right. And she said, but it's like, you have to know the other bits first. And I said, yeah, because what I found is I read The Secret in 2007 um, and I've read lots of law of attraction books. So many people don't understand the law of attraction. They're missing steps. And then they'll say, it doesn't work for me or I can't do it. And it's like, that's not fair. You can do it. Perhaps despite all your efforts, life is still a struggle. Because that's what I find. I find so many of my clients, they're like, oh, I've tried the law of attraction. It's rubbish. It doesn't work. And I go on to say, I can promise you that the life that you want to be living is waiting there for you right now. The law of attraction does work. You just haven't been shown how to harness it properly until now. And so that's what the book is all about. And I loved, loved writing it. And it was just as I finished it and sent it off to my cover designer, who's amazing. She did the covers for all my other books that I just thought, you know, the bit I am missing. And I nearly did it in the book when I was writing it. I thought, should I put affirmations at the end of each chapter? You know, affirmations on what that chapter was about. And I got a no at the time when I'm asking my spiritual team, no, just carry on, just carry on writing as you are. So when I'd finished the book and sent it to the cover designer, then I got the message do the affirmations now. And I went, well, it's a bit damn late now. The book's gone. So do an affirmation booklet, just a little booklet, and they can read it alongside it or refer back to it later. And it needs to stand alone as well. But yeah, so what I did is I took all the affirmations for each chapter and kept the chapters the same. Affirmations for commitments and responsibility and love and money and da-da-da. So she's in the process of doing my cover for that. And that should be live within the next two weeks. That was all very exciting because the affirmation booklet literally is going to be a little tiny booklet as this book is 70,000 words, whereas the booklet is 10,000 words. So it's just the affirmations and that one you can open the page to the one that you want. And I think that will help as well. So it's all about trying to help people live their best life. That's very talented. And I was looking at the book because I wanted to snag the links and thank you for sending them to me. So in the show notes, You'll have links to where you can purchase the book, depending on country, because you do have such a global audience. Most of my audience is in the States, in America, actually, but quite a global audience as well. And I like that idea of having it as like an appendix. Um, Even Brene Brown's new book came with this beautiful like appendix. And I actually find them to be quite handy, like when you can just get that quick dose of it. But I appreciate that. When I first watched The Secret, I think it wasn't until 2014. It really frustrated me. I'm like, I'm exhausted thinking like this, to be honest with you. I don't think I had that foundation. They made a huge, huge mistake um, having the film, The Secret, because the film is about an hour and a half. Whereas when you read the book, the book is eight hours. So you've taken eight hours worth of knowledge and you've rammed it into an hour and a half. And when I talk to people, 90% of them have not read the book. They've seen the movie. Well, there's no way you've got all the steps in there and that's why it's not working for you. But actually, the book is much better in terms of the steps, but it's a bit dated now. It's nearly 20 years old. So this is kind of just bringing it into where we are now, 2023. 
I think, you know, there's a lot in my book that isn't in the secret because I'm the therapist as well. This isn't just a spiritual thing. A lot of the reason your life isn't working is because you're too fixed on other people's approval and upsetting people that your boundaries are not where they need to be. You're overly responsible for other people, so which means you're overwhelmed and overloaded. And so how can you manifest yourself a great life if you haven't given yourself permission to say no or even understood what that means? So there's a lot of psychology in there as well, but through the, the spiritual perspective that gets us aligned on every level of where we need to be. I love that. Beautiful, Julie Poole. Thank you so much for coming on Spirit School, for sharing so much of your wisdom. I think that the audience will definitely see how well you do teach and are able to simplify bigger concepts. So I'm definitely going to pick up this book and recommend it to my audience. From hoping to having, which I think all of us really want to manifest a fantastic life right now after the few years we've just had. So you can find all the links to Julie's YouTube, to her website to her books in the show notes below. Thank you for coming on today, Julie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Did you know that Spirit School is not just a podcast? It's an actual school. If you go to myspiritschool.com, you can invest in self-study courses, live programs, and of course, the Spirit School Collective, my baby, my monthly membership community. All Spirit School offerings are intended to get you feeling clear, confident, and connected to your spiritual path, your development journey, and of course, connected to other spiritual curious souls who are having similar experiences to you. I hope to see you in Spirit School.